where marriage is made and love lasts. Welcome to Marriage Unhindered with Doug Hinderer. Relationship problems? No problem. Give us a call, 888-914-9149. Need a second opinion? That's 888-914-9149. This is Marriage Unhindered. Here's your host, Doug Hinderer. Good morning. Welcome to Marriage Unhindered. I'm your host, Doug Hinderer. I'm here to help you live married life as God intended it and give you some help in those areas where you might be struggling. The goal for the next hour is to help give you some ideas to strengthen your marriage. Listen, I, marriage does not have to be perfect in order to be wonderful. And that's the idea, right? We want to have a wonderful marriage, even though we are married to someone who's imperfect and has defects as we are, in fact, imperfect and have some defects. So, so here's the disclaimer. I, we need to be clear. This is not therapy, but it is education. Some of the issues that we may get into on the show might be too complex for the show to really cover in detail. Or perhaps your challenge is, is too difficult to heal on your own. And if that's the case, I want to encourage you to consider therapy for these difficult situations. Um, there's wonderful science out there about how to heal marriages, uh, and there are very competent therapists out there as well. So don't hesitate to get professional help if you think you could benefit from it. As you know, this show is under the protection of our Blessed Mother under the title of Undoer of Knots, and we always begin with a prayer to her. So if you'll join me in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Blessed Mother, take into your hands the knots that affect married couples, and with your long fingers of love and grace, undo these knots for the glory of God. Visit married couples with your grace. Renew their sacramental covenant. Increase God's love in them and strengthen their bond of peace so that with their children, they may always rejoice in the gift of your blessing. Amen. All right. So today we're going to dive into an area that no marriage can live without. Uh, we're going to talk about something that you you have to have it if your marriage is going to survive and if it's going to thrive. You have to be really good at this skill. Talking about forgiveness. Yeah, forgiveness. You can't. Oh, man. You get a lot of chances to practice forgiveness in marriage. And so, are you struggling to forgive your spouse for something big? Or, or are you struggling to forgive your spouse for a lot of little things that have piled up over the years? Well, give me a call. Let's talk about it. 888 914 9149. Or you can email me at Doug at all right, so forgiveness. Listen, um, we, we have to start with the appreciation, the understanding that forgiveness is not optional. It's a commandment, and it's, it's a commandment that our Lord gave us uh, in a number of places in the New Testament. But first off, we go back to where uh, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, and he gave them the Our Father. And in the Our Father, there's the part towards the end where we say, hey, forgive us as we forgive others. That's a pretty scary thing to say because, you know, what we're really saying, Lord, is, listen, if I don't forgive other people, I don't expect you to forgive me either. Wow. And I don't know about you, but 
I know I've got a lot that I need to be forgiven for in my life, and I sure do hope our Lord forgives me all of my transgressions when the time comes, which means I need to practice forgiveness really well here in my life as well. And, you know, in Matthew's gospel, right after our Lord gave us the Our Father, he followed it up with this. If you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your transgressions. Well, that's pretty clear. I don't know how you get any clearer than that. Uh, and so we need to be good at forgiveness, you know. And, and later on in Matthew, Peter says, hey, how many times do I need to forgive my brother if he sins against me? And, well, and the answer was seven times, 70 times, right? Or an unlimited number of times, okay? Um, and then in, in Luke's gospel, our Lord says, hey, be merciful as your Father is merciful. Stop judging, and you will not be judged. Stop condemning, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. I mean, how true is that, though, in marriage? We tend to sit in judgment often about our spouse, judge what they do as good or bad, and then when we determine that they've done something bad, we condemn them. We condemn them through criticism or contempt or, or anger, right? And our Lord is pretty clear about that. Do not do that. Um, and then later on in Luke, our Lord says in the 17th chapter, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he wrongs you seven times in one day and returns to you seven times, time saying, I'm sorry, you should forgive him. So let's reword that a little bit. I don't want to take license with the New Testament and our Lord's words, but let's let's replace some of the words here. Be on your guard. If your spouse sins, rebuke him. Correct him or her, but gently. Point out what they have done, but in a gentle way, not in a way of criticism, but in a way of, of love. And if your spouse says, wow, yeah, you know what, I'm sorry, I blew that, then we forgive right away, okay? And if our spouse gets it wrong seven times a day, which probably our spouse will, you know, because our spouse is flawed and we're flawed and there's just a million little niggly things, you know, that happen each day, like our, you know, our spouse didn't look at us this morning when they said good morning or uh, they came home and first thing they did was pet the dog and not come and give me a kiss or say hello to me. Or or I walked in the door and my wife didn't drop what she was doing to come and say, welcome home and give me a hug. And there's a million of these things that happen in the course of the day. Uh, I, I don't think there's any place on the planet, at least not in my experience, where we have more of an opportunity to practice forgiveness than in marriage because we are not as vulnerable anywhere else in the world as we are in marriage. There's no place else in the world where we've given our entire self to, and so we are so very vulnerable. So if you want to talk about forgiveness, want to get some help in that arena, give me a call, 888-914-9149, or email me at doug at marriageunhindered.com. So Let's well. Let's we've got a call. Let's take a call here right out of the right out of the shoot. 
Oh, okay. Well, okay, we'll take a pause on that for a minute while we're getting ready. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm learning how to do this. I'm getting it. All right, let's talk no about worries, what... Doug, no worries. You get it. All right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, young Thomas. Thank you. Forgive You have forgiven me, young Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, I'm practicing what you're teaching right Very now. Very good. Thank you. Uh, it's so super helpful. <laughs> <laughs> good deal. All right. So what? What? what is forgiveness? Well, first, as young Thomas has demonstrated, forgiveness is a choice. You can choose to forgive or you can choose to withhold your forgiveness. I mean, we don't have to do it, and we have to realize that it is a choice. But it's a choice to let go of the anger and the resentment, okay? Um, I choose to let go of it, right? Holding on to anger and resentment um, destroys marriages. It, it, it kills marriages. And I, it was one of the Greek philosophers, it might have been Socrates, probably be appropriate if it was, but... But who said, holding on to resentment is like drinking poison, hoping the other guy dies, right? Anger and resentment doesn't harm at all the person that we're angry at, uh, just us. It keeps us from sleeping at night. It robs us of our peace. It, it robs us of our joy, right? And so when we practice forgiveness, we do ourselves a great service. We help ourselves much more than we help the person who we're forgiving. So it's letting go of the anger. Just let it go. Just get rid of it because it just it just buries us. All right. Um, it's treating the offender with compassion, mercy, kindness, generosity, and charity, even though the person may not deserve it. You know, maybe they don't deserve. Maybe they intentionally harmed us. Maybe they intentionally did something that really hurt, and and uh, and they're not even sorry for it. But it's still treating that person with mercy and kindness, as our Lord did for sure. It's an act of the will overcoming the emotions. It's your brain saying, you know, everything in your body, everything in your emotions is saying revenge, get even, say something harsh in return, uh, say something mean, uh, you know, do something that might really hurt the other person. That's what our emotions are telling us to do. And then our brain kicks in and says, you know what? Yeah, I'm not doing that. I I, I don't want to be that kind of person. I, I want to practice forgiveness rather than um, revenge. And this is really difficult to do because of original sin, right? And what original sin, I mean, all of a sudden, I mean, Adam and Eve were perfectly happy. They committed the original sin, and then they lost trust. They lost safety in each other. And what did Adam say when God said, what did you do? He said, the woman did it. All of a sudden, he's throwing her under the bus. Now he's blaming her and now safety is gone. And now we spend time trying to protect ourselves from our spouse oftentimes. Um, and, and it's tough, right? And so we live, we live this life of, of protection. And I'm always on high alert for when my spouse may say or do something that might harm me. And it feels that forgiveness might make me more vulnerable, more open to future harm. But it is, in fact, the way that we most closely imitate Christ. And, and forgiveness is a real indication of our holiness, of how deeply we have embraced the gospel message, of how much and how closely we are able to imitate Christ uh, who forgave everyone. So that's what forgiveness is. It's a choice to let go of the anger and the resentment. It's treating the offender with compassion and mercy and kindness and generosity. It's, it's, it's an act of our will deciding to control our emotions. So we can either 
choose to let our emotions control us or we can choose to be in charge of that horse. And because our emotions will carry us long and far if we let them too, but we need to control our emotions and not let our emotions control us. And it's a real act of charity. All right, I've got the green light now. We can go to our first caller, Scott in Chicago. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. How are you? I am wonderful, thanks. How are you? Great. Um, uh, yeah, so I just wanted to comment that, um, and just follow up on what you were just saying, um, yeah. that, um, you know, forgiveness is a choice, you know, it, it's, but there's a lot of things that I guess hinder um, Good word. people. Yeah, hinder yeah. Uh, hinder people from making that choice. Yeah. Uh, whether it be something from their past trauma, you know, dysfunction, mm. whatever mm. in their life, you know, that they just don't want to do it, you yeah. know. Um, and they make a choice to do it. Um, and also, what I found is that, um, you know, I was I, I suffered some trauma and abuse in my childhood, and yeah. I forgave my parents. Great. Um, to God, yeah. but I didn't forget them. I didn't actually say that to them, yeah. but I forgave it. I forgave God. I forgave my parents to God, Good. you know, yeah. and I said, you know, I forgive my parents what they did. Um, and I am, and I'm much better for that. You know, yeah. I didn't actually have to say it to that person, yeah. you know, and this is what I tell people that you don't, you know, cause there's a lot of, there are people that, are not able to forgive yep. the person that did whatever they did to them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, they just, they're just not emotionally there. Yeah. Okay. But did you, all, when you got to that point, were you able to forgive from your heart? Did you find that to be a liberating experience? Oh yes. Yeah. 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 When, I, when I finally did that. Yeah. Good for you. But you can also, um, yeah. And, and, and then there's also what they call uh, radical, forgiveness hmm. is that you just say i forgive you you don't feel it you know you don't feel it yourself you're not emotionally there to do it well but yeah. if you're you just say i forgive you you know yeah. and then you work on emotional stuff later but yeah. it allows you to say hey i forgive this person and you know then i can kind of move on with my life good yeah and i think you, you made a clear a very good distinction here there's a difference between forgiveness and healing they're not the same thing, uh, but forgiveness is the first step on the journey to healing. And so oh, to sure. be able to forgive, that opens the door. And the other thing, to your, to your point, um, one of the things that, he, that forgiveness is not is it's not reconciliation. Just because you've forgiven somebody doesn't mean you're actually going to be able to reconcile with that person or rebuild the relationship. So um, thank you so much for your call, Scott, and uh, I, I, congratulations on your journey of forgiveness. Okay. Let's go out to uh, Paul in West Bloomfield, Michigan. Paul, good morning. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, you know, we're chatting about forgiveness, and I thought I'd just give a couple of tips that my wife and I have used over the years, 32 years happily married. And, Great. And one of them is, you know, I would get mad at, at something my wife did, and I would hold a grudge for a couple of days. And, and after a, a number of years, she kind of came to me one day and said, let's just call it truce. And so we've used that strategy, <laughs> you know, and we have an argument, you know, we don't want to go more than the day. And, yeah. and she's taught me to reach out to say, let's call it truce. You know, let's move forward. It. And the other one was yeah. early on in our marriage, 
we uh, would make some comments. Oh, we never should have got married, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And we said to ourselves after about two years, we'll never make those comments to us again because we are committed for life to one another. And from that point forward, I always felt confident that my wife was always going to be with me forever. Good man. Isn't that great when you have that safety in your marriage that, yes, I, even though I'm flawed and I have defects, we're, she's not leaving. She's in this thing to the end. Yeah. Great. Paul, thanks so much for your comments. I'm sure our listeners got a lot out of that. Thank you. So a couple words about what, uh, uh, forgiveness is not, as I mentioned earlier, it is not reconciliation. Uh, you can forgive without reconciling. You you cannot reconcile without forgiveness. So if you want to heal a relationship, a damaged relationship, it has to begin with forgiveness, okay? Uh, so it's not reconciliation, but it's the first step on that journey. It's not condoning or excusing. What the person did was wrong, flat out wrong, and uh, just because I'm going to forgive it doesn't mean that I condone it or excuse it. Plus, it, you know, you have to appreciate fact it's not all or nothing, right? It's forgiveness is often a journey. Now, if you know, if you're, uh, if you asked your spouse to stop off on the way home uh, and pick up a loaf of bread, and your spouse forgets it, well, okay, there's something there to be forgiven, and you can forgive that pretty quickly. Um, Sometimes there's bigger issues, though, out there that are harder to forgive. You know, you have affairs or all kinds of big things that can happen that oftentimes not you're going to embark on a journey to forgiveness, and that's okay. It's not all or nothing. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. Uh, you know, you, you can't forget. That whole idea about forgive and forget, forget the forget part. You just forget the forget part. You just, you can't make yourself forget, especially something that really hurts you at a deeper level. You just can't forget it. But it's about remembering in new ways. And we're going to talk about that after the break, how to really, how to actually do the work of forgiveness and how to remember the hurt, but in a different way. And it's also, it's not an exchange. It's not a, I will forgive you if you forgive me. Uh, I will forgive you if you say you're sorry, or if you say sorry in the way that I think you really mean it, or if you, you know... It's not an exchange. I, my forgiveness is not at all based on your behavior or or your willingness to participate in my journey of forgiveness. It's it's a course that I'm going to set to liberate myself from my anger and from my resentment. One of the keys here, and then we'll take a break, but uh, one of the keys is to see your spouse's defects as opportunities for you to grow in virtue. And I do believe, I've witnessed this a lot, that... Um, I, oftentimes, I think our Lord gives us a spouse whose defects we most need in order to grow in the virtue that we most need to grow in. So if 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 you tend to be impatient, well, God may give you a spouse who tends to be late a lot to help you grow in patience. Uh, or if you tend to be cheap, you know, and you can't pry a nickel out of your wallet, God may give you a spouse who gives, you know, 20 bucks to every charity that calls on the phone. You get the tax time, you're like, sweetheart, do you realize that we gave $20 to 52 different charities this year? Yeah, well, good. So, you know, our spouse's defects are great gifts for us to grow in forgiveness, to grow in holiness, and to imitate our Lord. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When when we come back, we're going to dive in how to forgive. And are you struggling to forgive somebody? Give me a call. We'll talk about how to go about doing that. 888-914-914. 9149. Email me, Doug at marriageunhindered.com. Be back in a few. Because we all make mistakes sometimes, and we 
right. That's what it's all about, forgiveness. Young Thomas, thank you for that song. I loved it. I love it. Yeah, it's, we all need it. But, you know, more than needing forgiveness, we need to give forgiveness. We actually need to give forgiveness more than we actually need to receive it. And we heal ourselves so much when we practice forgiveness. It's, it's, forgiveness is about healing ourselves, uh, much more so than the person who offended us. And, it, boy, it can be so difficult to do that. And if you're struggling, you want to forgive, you, you, you want to unburden yourself, you want to lighten this load of anger and, and resentment and, and pain that you're carrying around, give me a call. Let's talk about that. Uh, 888-914-9149. Or drop me an email. Some of these things are hard to talk about, you know, or maybe your spouse is there and listening with you and they're the ones who hurt you or whatever, but drop me an email, uh, Doug at happy or at marriage unhindered.com. It'd be good to be happily married. Marriageunhindered.com, 888-914-9149. All right. So how do we go about doing this? Let's say you say, boy, you know what? Yeah. This, this resentment and this anger, I'm just tired of living like this. I'm tired of carrying this weight around me all the time. I'm tired of waking up in the middle of the night and thinking about this person who hurt me and, and then getting worked up, and then I don't sleep for the next hour or two because I get so wound up about this, and I, I need to get rid of it. How do I do that? How do I go about the idea of forgiveness? And so there's, it's, it's a four-step process, and, you know, there's research and science that studied people who have gone through and been successful in forgiveness. How, how do they do it? Well, here's, here's the answer. There's four steps to it. First step is to just kind of do some background thinking about this. And I and I write this stuff down. Get out a piece of paper and a pencil. Write it down. Really good to to go through these steps, uh, you know, in front of our Lord, either in the tabernacle or, or in an adoration chapel for sure. Um, but identify the, the person and the, and the incident that you want to forgive. Who is it that hurt you specifically? And, you know, and how deeply were you hurt Put some words to those emotions that you're struggling with, right? This this deep feeling of pain. Put some words on it. What uh, you know? What are you feeling? What are you struggling with, right? Who? How deeply were you hurt? And then what were the details of the incident? Write it all down. What was the date? The time? What was the setting? Where were you at? What was going on? Um, so you just want to spend some good, quiet, reflective time thinking about those three things, right? Who is it that hurt you? How deeply were you hurt? And what was the... What was the environment like? What was the setting? So you can kind of bring that back to mind pretty clearly. And don't rush through this piece of it um, and, and put some good detail there. So once you've kind of crafted out now the situation, uh, you can, um, now it's time to examine your anger, right? And so here's some questions. You may want to jot these down uh, that you should answer. Okay, so um, first, how have you avoided dealing with your anger? You know, we like to bury anger. Good luck on that. That doesn't work real well, but we don't we don't know what to do with it. We don't know how to express it in positive ways. We're afraid that if we give vent to our anger, it's going to come out in harmful ways. We're going to say some things we might regret. We might say some hurtful things that might make the relationship worse. So we tend to avoid dealing with the anger. So how have you done that? How have you gone about avoiding the anger? What are you doing? What's your what's your technique to try to protect yourself or Guard yourself against giving vent to the anger. Uh, two, I mean, how has this anger affected your health? Is it, you know, what's the toll it's taking on your emotional health, on your happiness, on your your joyfulness? Uh, um, 
And and how about your physical health, Brian? Are, are you losing sleep? Are, are you losing weight? Are, do you have an ulcer? <laughs> you know, um, I you know. So mind and body, right? Emotions and body are very much related, which is why sometimes you hear somebody say, "Well, I just got a gut feeling this is a bad idea." It's it's your body saying, "Yeah, something's not right here," and your body is is alerting you to the trouble. And a lot of good research out there that shows that, man, if you hold on to anger, you shorten your life and you increase the likelihood of even catching a common cold because your immune system, anger robs your immune system and depletes it. So make a list of, you know, how anger has negatively affected you both emotionally and physically. Um, you know, and do you obsess over the injury? So is is this person or this event, does it intrude into your daily life? Are you driving down the road and all of a sudden, oh, the memory shows up? Or are you reading a book and the memory shows up? Are you making dinner and the memory shows up? And, and is it robbing you of peace, right? And are you finding yourself obsessing over the injury? Um, and then four, I mean, do you feel shame or guilt around the, around the incident? Are you blaming yourself? Are you saying, I am somewhat to blame for this? And, and perhaps you are. But, you know, do you have shame or guilt around this or around the fact that uh, perhaps the person embarrassed you in public or did something that other people are aware of? And then do you have shame about that or guilt? Uh, and does it uh, impact your, you know, your relationships with other people? And then, and then finally, um, how has this anger, how has your anger affected your life? How has it changed your life? How is your life different now? because of this injury that you endured or because of how poorly you were treated, right? So write those down, take a look at them, spend time praying over these things, right? How am I avoiding the anger? How is it affecting my emotional and my physical health? Am I obsessing about this? Do I have shame and, and guilt around it? And how has this negatively impacted my life, right? The idea in this in this exercise is to is to get you to the point where you say, I've got to leave this behind. Uh, this is, the, the price I am paying for this is too great a price, and I've got to leave it behind, all right? So examine that. You get deeper look into how it's affecting you negatively. And then third is you, you make the decision. Okay, I'm going to do it. Okay, I'm going to do it. And one of the ways that can help here is to, you know, take out a sheet of paper, draw a line down the middle of it, put the pros on one side and the cons on the other. So what are the advantages if I forgive this person? What good things will happen for me? And what are the cons? If I hold on to this anger and this resentment, what are the cons, okay? Uh, and what's going to... So what are the pros and cons of forgiveness? How will my life be different if I forgive this injury? How am I going to be freer? How does my life improve if I let go of this pain and this resentment? And then, you know, reflect on and, and pray about your answers to those two questions, right? Um, because forgiveness is, I, I think, one of the most Christian things we can do. And it's the whole reason Christ showed up on the planet was to bring forgiveness for us and then to teach us to forgive, which he did a pretty good job of while he was uh, hanging there on the cross, right? Um, and then... You, you, you give some thought to the other person, right? Has the other person ever been hurt by anybody else? Um, what was that person's life like? 
Do they have injuries from their childhood? Have they been wounded emotionally, which has caused them to be uh, more angry, uh, less kind, less forgiving? Can you empathize with the person? What was going on um, in their day? What was going on in their life at the time that they did this thing that hurt you? What was happening in their world? And were they dealing with stresses and strains and anxieties and worries that perhaps made it easier for them to say or do whatever it is that uh, that hurt you? And can you actually empathize with that person? Can you say, boy, you know what? I Yeah, I've been in that place before as well. And you know, we've all done that, right? Where we have a bad day at work and we come home and our spouse says something to us and we we just snap at them. And it's like, well, where'd that come from? What did I do? Well, you didn't do anything, but I'm just, I've had a bad day or I got stuck in traffic or I ran out of gas or got all kinds of things that happened outside that aren't the fault of my spouse, but yet I snapped and said something I shouldn't have said or treated them poorly, right? So can you empathize with the person and, and what they did, right? So so what are the pluses and minuses of forgiving? How will your life be different? How will your life be better, right? Um, and then, so now you've you've kind of gone through the, the, the pluses and minuses, the reasons for doing the forgiveness, um, and you said, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Well, now, now it's the hard work, right? And part of it is to say, Okay, how am I going to benefit? How does my life get better? Number one. Number two, how does the other person benefit from being forgiven? Maybe they're not even going to know that you forgive them, um, but how are they going to benefit as well? And who else will benefit from your forgiveness? You know, if you're carrying around a lot of anger and resentment, that affects your relationship with everybody. You know, you're a little bit less patient, a little bit less tolerant with everybody, with family members and children and all kinds of things. So how will other people benefit as well, okay? And then you pray, Lord, I help me to forgive. Teach me how to forgive. I want to forgive this person, and I want to mean it when I say I forgive him or her. Lord, help me to do this. Help me to imitate you, all right? So those, those are the four steps, okay? So first is um, identify the person in the incident. Get a good, clear idea of what that was all about. Examine your anger. Where is that coming from? How is that hurting me? Make the decision to forgive uh, and then do that. Uh, and then go deeper in, in your prayer life and in your forgiveness, all right? So give me a call, 888-914-9149. Let's go out to Sandra in San Antonio. Sandra, good morning. Good morning. What can I do for you this morning? Well, I have a question. My husband of 35 years uh, decided to, uh, just a couple of years ago, like three years ago, I was bedridden and he was, uh, entertaining women Mm. or meeting up with women, uh, to have lunch or, or to go to a club or something. And, uh, he calls it an emotional affair but yeah. an affair is an affair you can't say oh this is a little lie or this is a little sin that's a big sin sin is sin yeah. and yeah. then a year later he did it again okay. and yeah. um you know i was so hurt yeah not that that he did the affair but that he did it while i was bedridden sure yeah. and yeah. you know 
I, you know, like, okay, I already have 35 years into this. Yeah. You know, we're both older and we're not going to live much longer. So what's the use of getting separated just to have yeah. uh, more problems? Sure. Uh, but my, my daughter, she knows about it now. And she thought of him like he walked on water. But she yeah. is so devastated by what he did. Yep, yep. Yep. So how do you forgive yeah. somebody? I mean, I've forgiven them, but yeah. the damage is done. Oh, sure. Yeah, 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 right. Exactly right, right, right. And so so the damage is done and because you've been treated unfairly, right? And trust has been wounded, right? I mean, a man's job is to protect his wife, right? And the time when you needed his protection the most, when you were bedridden. And he didn't, he didn't up to the sin. He says, I was to blame that I made him go look for somebody. Yeah. 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 Well, that's, how did I do that if I was bit written? Yeah. Right. Well, we, we call that defensiveness, right? It's when I blame you for my, my sins and my mistakes. And listen, it's what Adam did, right? He ate the apple and he, first thing he did was blame his wife. Well, it's her fault that I ate the apple. Yeah. yeah. Actually, Adam, it's not. And, and I think, yeah, it's probably hard for your husband to admit how much he mm-hmm. betrayed you. And, and this whole idea of emotional affair, pretty common thing in this world today. Uh, it happens a lot. And, you know, marriage is about exclusivity. One man, one woman in an exclusive relationship till death do us part. And marriage is so sacred that there are actually two commandments that protect it. Six and nine. Six says no touching. Nine says no looking. Don't even look. Don't even think about developing a relationship with another member of the opposite sex, your exclusive attention needs to be on your wife or on your husband. So, so yeah, he, he blew it pretty bad. Um, husbands or wives tend to do this stuff, these emotional affairs. So I think the forgiveness is, I mean, understand, I talk to him about it, right? Understand perhaps, um, uh, he was probably lonely and yeah, none of this excuses it. There's no excuse for this kind of thing, but the forgiveness is, you know, and what a marvelous example you will be able to set for your daughter when you can say to her, listen, I have forgiven your father. What he did was absolutely wrong, but I have let go of the anger. I have let go of the resentment. He's got flaws. He's got defects. I love him. I'm committed to him and I have forgiven him. And sweetheart, I'd like you to forgive him as well. So I just went through kind of the four steps on how you might work through that. Um, and yeah. I would, yeah, spend some time in yeah. prayer asking our yeah, Lord to I've strengthen forgiven you. him and I've forgiven myself because it's like it, yeah, I yeah. was, I'm not to blame because when we bring it up when I bring it up, he blames me that yeah. that's why he did what he did. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. you're not owning to it. And then it's not <laughs> yeah, my right. fault. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't accept that. He's, he's deflect. Right. We call it deflecting in my business. He's deflecting. Yeah. Uh, and he's defensive. Yeah. You've done nothing wrong. But this is a wonderful opportunity for you to imitate Christ, who actually forgave the people who killed him, who hung him on a tree, right? And so you've been wounded. This is a wonderful invitation from our Lord to join him on the cross. Uh, offer this work of forgiveness for your husband's salvation so that he get into heaven because you, you know, your forgiveness can go a long way to help him heal and to help your daughter heal as well. So yeah. well, she's an adult, uh, sure. a woman and, and she knows, you know, how hurt it was, how, how much he hurt me. And not yeah. only that he did it, but he did it while I was bed. No, yeah, no, no, that, that, that compounds, that compounds the pain for sure. Well, Sandra, listen, yeah. Thank you for your call. Um, 
work on the forgiveness thing. You will be liberated, and you might be able to earn a place in heaven for your husband by offering all of this suffering up for his salvation. Thank you for your call. When we come back, so um, we need to take a break. Young Thomas, I'm going to call an audible here. So, uh, you know, we at the start of the show, we talk about the what we're going to cover in these different segments, and I was going to move on to talk about... Um, Dealing with uh, with hurt uh, or, or um, you know how to how to manage in and um, in, in grow the love and, and deal with conflict management. I'm not going to do that. There was a uh, an email that came in during the week that deals with a topic very akin to what we're talking about here, uh, and I think it's an issue that a lot of marriages struggle with. And when we come back, I'm going to read that email and talk about what to do, how to go about healing if you've got this same problem. So stay tuned. Come back. Eight eight eight. 914-9149 or Doug at marriageunhindered.com. See you in a few. gets tested, it gets challenged, it gets hard sometimes, but it's really important that your spouse knows that you won't run. You ain't leaving. You are here until the end, and I, I'm safe with you, even if I have hurt you. So I want to read this email that came in. Um, it's only two sentences, and I think it touches a nerve that a lot of marriages struggle with, certainly in my experience as a therapist. I come across this issue uh, with some regularity, uh, and I think um, uh, many of you may be in this situation as well. And so uh, it's anonymous, uh, but comes from a, a, a wife who says, please remind your listeners to not, capital N, capital O, capital T, please remind your listeners not to marry a man who watches pornography. I made this mistake. He refuses to stop, and now I'm stuck in a marriage with children and I'm not in a position to leave. You, you can feel the pain in these two short sentences. I, You know, words, you can feel the frustration and the hopelessness and, and the loneliness. And I, I read this email, and I just stopped. And I've dealt with this issue a lot. Um, I've had two couples I work with that divorced over this issue. I've had a lot of couples with this issue who have gone on to strengthen their marriage and done really well. But pornography is, it's, it's ubiquitous. It's, it's out there. And I thought maybe I could spend a couple minutes talking about that because it is so difficult to forgive, but yet so unbelievably important to be able to forgive this sin. And this is predominantly a male problem, although women are catching up just as they did in all the other things like smoking and drinking and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but it's still predominantly a, a male problem. So let me just throw out a couple statistics here. Um, uh, a recent study of college-aged men found that 97% had viewed pornography at some point in their life. 
That's about as close to 100 as you can get. Uh, 94% had viewed pornography in the last six months. That is terrifying, in the last six months. 82% reported regular use of pornography. Regular use. So that's weekly or maybe even daily, right? 82%. I mean, that's just a staggering number. Um, the average frequency where a young man will look at these images is three to four times a week. Okay. The average age of first exposure to pornography is 11. Okay. And by the time uh, a young man is 16 or 17, he's a regular user. This is actually the leading cause of impotency among young men in their 20s. This is devastating. This has devastated an entire generation of men, and not just of young men, increasingly middle-aged and old men as well, okay? Um, it's just, it's devastating, right? It is just devastating. And so, and I think the problem is, the problem, there are a lot of problems associated with this, but the wives often feel devalued and disrespected and betrayed and become very angry about this when they discover that their husbands are struggling with their pornography use. Uh, you know, and for a lot of reasons, A, because they feel betrayed, they, they feel that it's an infidelity, that it's cheating, it's, and it's certainly sinful. It violates, at a minimum, the Ninth Commandment and possibly the Sixth as well because it generally almost always then leads to self-pleasure as well, which is sinful as, as we know. Um, the other reason women get angry is because pornography is an isolating addiction. It takes the man away from family and children. It's a sin that happens in isolation, all alone, okay? Uh, and so it, it not only is bad on the husband, but it takes him away from his wife, from the time he should be spending with her and with the children as well. And and I, Satan loves pornography. He has been able to use it to destroy a lot of marriages. Okay, so I have just a couple of thoughts here about how to handle this if if uh, pornography has made its way into your marriage. And I, you know, I we should probably dedicate an entire show to this at some point, Young Thomas, because it's such a big issue. Um, but just quickly, I just throw a few things out here. Uh, what what can the wife do? Uh, if she discovers her husband is is trapped in this, um, first is to is to appreciate the fact that pornography isn't about you; it's about your husband. This is not a rejection of you. This is not a commentary about you or how beautiful you are, or any of the aspects of your intimate relationship with your husband. This is about him, and this is about a weakness that he has and a weakness that he is fighting about. And so often women take it personal, and they think, boy, if I was, and then fill in the blank, if I was more attractive, if I weighed less, if I was taller, if I was shorter, if I had blonde hair, you know, it's not about you at all, and you should not think that. Number two, it's very helpful if you can view pornography as an addiction because, it, in fact, it is an addiction, um, I my personal opinion is that it is the most addictive substance on the planet. I think it has the power to addict a, a young person on the very first use. Um, I think it's more addictive than alcohol, nicotine, heroin. In fact, there's some research out here just recently 
that concluded that pornography is more addictive than heroin be, or cocaine. I'm sorry, more addictive than cocaine because it affects more of the neural pathways in the brain. It actually disrupts more of the brain than cocaine does. And so it's more addictive than cocaine. Uh, and so we need to view someone who's addicted to pornography more with sympathy than with anger. And I realize for women how very, very difficult that is. Um, but you've got to, to the degree you can, make it safe for your husband to come to you in his shame to be the safe place and the place of forgiveness, the place of unconditional love. I had a couple that I work with who were actually very successful in this regard, and they came in for the very first session, newly married, less than a year. Um, and they sat down in the love seat. It's back when I see in couples in, in person. And um, I said, so, hey, so what can I help you with? What's going on? Uh, the husband's eyes immediately went to the floor. Uh, the wife reached over with her hands and grabbed her husband's hands in her hands. And she looked at me and said, my husband has a problem with pornography. And we're here to find out what I can do to help him overcome this problem. Like, whoa, that was terrific. She didn't see it as a personal attack against her. She saw it as a weakness in her husband who she had just pledged to love till death do us part. And she wanted to be part of the solution to the degree that wives can, and this is a really difficult thing to ask, I know, but your husband needs your help and support, and I know that's so very difficult to give to him. Um, it's if you can be the place he turns in time of temptation, if you can be the person he can call on the phone and say, hey, I'm struggling right now, or this thing happened, I just got triggered, and man, I, I just, I really want to turn on my computer, and my heart is racing now, and my hands are shaking, and I really need to go there. Can you talk to me? Can you tell me how much you love me? Can you hold me until this temptation passes, which it will pass if you can just be there. I think another good thing, pray to his guardian angel. Let him, you know, get his guardian angel working on this thing for sure. And then lastly, I think what a wife can do is, is do the hard work of forgiveness. Because listen, this is, this is serious mortal sin stuff we're talking about here. This is the stuff that can cost your husband, his immortal soul. And what a tragedy that would be if he were to lose his soul over something as stupid as pornography. And so forgive him and then pray for him that that he overcomes this because this is eternal life and death kinds of stuff. And you can play a very key role in helping your husband bring salvation to his soul and overcome this very deadly sin. Okay, so there's some things a wife could do, but forgiveness, the work of forgiveness is so difficult, but so important if your husband is going to heal. And I, this is, this is a shame-ridden sin. No man is proud of the fact that he looks at pornography. This isn't the kind of thing that men brag about, you know. Um, they don't get together, you know, at the bar, you know, after work and say, hey, three hours last night I was looking at pornography. Aren't I great? Isn't this terrific? How cool am I? Men don't brag about this. Men don't even talk about it to each other. Men are ashamed of this, which is why it's such an isolating addiction because I do it in the privacy of my room or wherever I am, and I don't want anybody to know I do it, not even my best friends. Um, and so there's tremendous shame and guilt attached to this, and, and our wives can go a long way to help us overcome that. Okay, So 
share that with you. What can husbands do? Well, I, the most important thing I think you can do is work a program. This is one of those things that's really hard to overcome on your own, okay? Uh, work a program. And there are some tremendously good programs out there. And let me give you a couple of those. Uh, one is Fight the New Drug. It's a fairly new website out there, but directed to help men overcome this addiction. Uh, a great one, Integrity Restored, is a tremendous source of help and support for men. Uh, Catholic in Recovery, another great source. And uh, Your Brain on Porn is another great source. And then Purity is Possible. Highly recommend Purity is Possible as well. Now, I'm not, I haven't spent much time out on these websites, so I can't rate them and say one is better than another. Uh, but they all have the same goal is to help men deepen their respect and love for women and get to a point where they no longer find victimizing them uh, and using them for their own selfish pleasure as as a, a reasonable alternative, okay? Uh, and I believe that the um, uh, Integrity Restored website actually has resources there to help spouses, kind of like Al-Anon is for the family members of an alcoholic. I think there are some places here on Integrity Restored that uh, for the spouses to help them uh, know what to do, how they, how they can deal with this, and uh, how they can help their spouse as well. So that's the first thing. Number two, get an accountability partner, right? Uh, get somebody who you can call and say, and that's one of the keys of Alcoholics Anonymous is you've got an accountability partner. Get an accountability partner, someone else who's struggling. Just about any gentleman, any friend you've got is probably struggling with this as well, Okay. Uh, get rid of the access points to pornography. Know where the you know where you're vulnerable, where you're more likely. Get rid of keep the phones, uh, you know whatever your device is. Keep it out of the bedroom. Keep it uh, in a public space that you can only access it when you're around other people. Um, and um, realize, understand the 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 pain and the suffering that you are causing. Uh, your wife. Yeah. And be persistent, right? I Overcoming any addiction normally is characterized by setbacks and relapses. Okay. Don't give up. Get into the confessional every single time you need to. And if you went to confession Saturday and you failed Sunday, go to confession Monday. Don't let a day go by. Confession is, is the salve to, to heal all that. All right, next week we're going to take a little change. Next week we're going to I'm going to dedicate the entire uh, thing to how to pick a good spouse. So uh, it's uh, February, it's Valentine's Day. How to what to look for when you're dating? So if you're single, you're dating, you're out there in the world trying to find a spouse. Uh, tune in. This is where you want to go to find out what to look for, what to stay away from, what to run away from, what not to marry under any condition. Uh, parents, listen, if you have kids in the dating age and they're out there looking for somebody, you'll want you'll pick up some great tips on how you can help uh, your kids find good spouses and make good choices. All right. So listen, marriage doesn't have to be perfect in order to be wonderful. 